Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. It came from there. I was walking past and it just, it lunged out at me. And then it ran back that way after I threw the book at it. You're safe with us, but you need to show us where you saw that creature. I, I imagine we handed him not, you know, a couple pennies or whatever, but like a unnecessarily large amount of money for his troubles. Does anyone else smell that sugary but awful smell? Bastien? Bastien? Bastien, are, are you around here? Ba Bastien? Bastien? And you see just one drop of blood oh, no. coming oh, out no. of its, uh, oh, kind of no. dropping down its cheek. Oh, no. no, no, not now, not now. I've lost my path, you know, in the way of the light, and I'm, I'm going the way of the darkness. There's an older man, and his body has been ripped and torn to pieces. Immediately coming upon a gruesome dead body is oddly fitting for him. As soon as the priest told me he was looking for his missing caretaker and I remembered that smell that was coming from the back, I was pretty sure he was ripped apart like the arm that we found in the river. There's something about seeing this man eviscerated that makes Rose feel like this is something that can be stopped. Paris, September 10th, 1895. Donald Braith sat thinking at his dining room table, head in his hands. A letter sat on the table in front of him, a letter Donald had just finished reading, a letter that Donald was struggling to fully comprehend. His mind was overflowing with emotion, relief, yes, but also confusion and fear. It seemed that for Donald, as soon as one mystery started to close, another one opened in its place. Donald wanted to leave before Monty got home, which he knew would be soon. He had been on his way out, in fact, when he found the letter. And now the letter made his plans for the night even more important, his task that much more immediate. He knew, now more than ever, that he needed to get his hands on the play. Donald stood up, taking a deep breath and preparing to leave. He grabbed the letter off the table and brought it into his room. Before he slipped it into the drawer of his bedside table, he read over it one more time, just in case there was anything that would help him in his search. Greetings, brother, it started. I know it has been quite a while since I've written, and I'm sure you've been worried. You always worry too much, you know that. I can, and have always, been perfectly capable of taking care of myself. But I appreciate the concern all the same. I am long overdue in offering you an apology for the abruptness of my departure. I know you were rattled by what you saw that night, and I didn't have the heart to tell you the role I played in its commission. I thought it best to depart before you awoke, though I knew it would cause you grief. I hope that you have been able to find some consolation elsewhere, and that you are not dwelling too much on what has become of me. And because I know you will worry, I must urge you to trust me when I tell you that I am fine. In fact, I am more than fine. I have found the life that was meant for me, as I knew I would, and my only regret is that we cannot share it together. At least for now. Finally, Donald, everything makes sense. Everything that ailed me, body, mind, and spirit has been cured. All my questions have been answered. I am, at last, the person I was meant to be. I hope, someday, that we will be reunited. And while I know that you will continue to search for me, I would ask that you instead search for truth. And when you find it, as I did, you will find me alongside it. The only way out of the dull, demanding, punishing world I once knew, the one in which you still suffer, is to seek the truth when you glimpse it, and to follow it through to the other side. The only way out, Donald, is through. Remember that. And Donald, one last thing. Please forgive what I was forced to put our parents through to get here. They couldn't have possibly imagined what they were getting themselves into. It's not their fault. I know that I will see you soon. And until then, be well, my dear brother. With love, Cecilia.
So as we kick off this episode, all of you have played RPGs of some sort in the past. Um, I know that all of you have listened to some or all of the podcasts, and most of you have been on the podcast before. How is this scenario striking you? How, for those who have not played the Yellow King RPG before, how is it How is it landing on you? What do you think? What do you like? What do you not like? Feel free to say that you that you don't like it, if, if, that's, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> what a way to start. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it's fun because it um, it's it's funny having done the the prior two scenarios because one was Notre Notre Dame focused, mm-hmm. one was the Opera House focused, the Palais yep. Garnier, um, and so it's funny to like have this one kick off literally in the painting that I know the musical about, right? Yes. Like <laughs> the um to be in that place and like to have Monet and like Sicily who I don't know anything about but I'm going to treat him like he's very important. Um <laughs> like to have those two painters there is like a very cool way to kick off and be like, look, you're still in this place that you know about, like let's give you a new kind of touchstone. Um and it's fun that it's one that ties so directly in to the fact that we're all artists. Yeah, you are the you know you're the you're the most experienced Yellow King RPG player that I know. So um, <laughs> since this is now your your third scenario, does it feel different in any way? I'm curious. It reads a little different to me, so I'm curious how it how it plays for you. Yeah, it's it's funny because there's something that does feel a little different just being out of the center of the city, mm-hmm. um, and like kind of losing that that centrality to to Paris because it doesn't feel like Paris as much mm-hmm. because we're like outside of that. Yeah. Um, and it's funny how that affects things. But like to be honest, mostly like the thing that feels the most different to me is just doing it with these other three players and not like <laughs> my normal Paris squad. Um, and so it's it's fun to see like how other people are playing this the same setting. That that's really fun about it. Yeah. All right, so other people, how is it, how is it feeling for you? <laughs> I feel like it's interesting, like, sometimes when I listen to the podcast, it's, like, the first couple of episodes, like, you just, it just starts so quickly, like, it's disaster immediately, like, in, in episode one, you're like, someone's gonna die. And then in some of them, like, it takes a couple episodes to set it up, so it, I was, like, at first it seemed like this was gonna be really fast, and, it, like, it kind of was, but now it's kind of, like, we're just trying to figure stuff out and it's kind of Mm. every like like we're getting like a little bit and then you think like okay here we go and then we're not now now we gotta get another little bit so (laughs) so that's interesting I mean, two people have died in three episodes. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I think for me it's like uh, this is my first Yellow King. Um, playthrough, but I, I think also like the most recent thing I played was a remarkably deadly Delta Green scenario, <laughs> and this is definitely like more on the kind of like gradually setting in mystery, mm. like kind of something is awry, but we don't really know what, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Whereas, which I really like, I, I think it's really interesting, and I'm really curious to see where it goes. Whereas, you know, a couple other things I've done are, like, pretty obviously, immediately, people dropping left and right feels really <laughs> ominous and hopeless, and this isn't quite that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's, like, um, I was really excited to be able to get to use, like, this character again, and since the last, since, like, the, the introduction of Rose was, like, just me and Sarah, that was, like, a really, mm-hmm. like, interesting way to explore that character and like their dynamic and so it's been neat coming into this to interact with like a whole new group of characters but like I feel like I have such a better idea of who Rose is and she's Mm. gone through this like wild stuff and like it's just kind of neat to have like a like a real solid background for me to play with I Mm. guess whereas like you know other characters like I have an idea of who they are but then they kind of take on their own place like as we start to play but yeah and I don't know. I mean, I think, like, also as a, as a big fan of the podcast in general, it's, like, very cool to, like, play with, like, you know, like, Francis, Like, she's, a, <laughs> you know. Like, she's famous. Yeah. Oh, goodness. You know, it's, like. A celebrity in your midst, dog. Yeah. Yeah. I have to very consciously, like, not lean on the information that I know about her, you know, because, like, Rose barely Fair. knows her. But, yeah. I don't know. And 
just getting to like mix up the group and stuff it's exciting mm-hmm. and i feel like like lily what you were saying was like it's an interesting mix of like stuff is happening body parts are showing up and then sometimes <laughs> we're just like we just got to ask a bunch of questions and we have to like wander through and talk to people and like sometimes that yields like nothing which is interesting mm. and exciting where you're like i've spent x amount of game hours just talking to people and i have like nothing's come up so <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of a cool mix well, I think there is a the, there's an interesting kind of uh, competing ideas going on because you know for Francis this is this is the continuation of Francis's story and in a way it's a continuation of Rose's story too though I I kind of see Rose's more as a prequel than than the two seasons that Francis has been on before but this is also because we're now kicking off this campaign this is the opening scenario of a campaign yeah. mm-hmm. right so there's so there's this like interesting balance that like maybe this maybe what's going on here is not quite as dire as what Francis has already experienced and so how does she react in a situation where it's like you know maybe you're not standing quite as much on the edge of that cliff that you talked about in season 5 yeah now as you were then mm-hmm. but it still is something that you have to deal with. Um, yeah, so it's, interesting. it's the it's funny because the um, like I was thinking about it in terms of I I kind of expected that like this would kick off yeah with a with a, some sort I don't know like a a door opened in the middle of the Champs Elysees <laughs> and suddenly like people were going into like this other world and like that's it is kind of funny because I think there's something very frustrating for Francis that like. It's like when you when you when you kill the spider in your room yep. and you're like, thank goodness I got the spider. And then suddenly there's another spider. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I went through to get that first spider? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're actually so I, I, I will say there is I, I, I have a little bit of a headcanon for why the things that have happened before this point happened before this point. I'm not just kind of like writing it off as like, oh, those things happened and now we're starting this. Like, I I do have a reason for it. So there is there is some logical sense to it. Whether cool. whether anybody ever finds that out, that's a whole nother thing. But there is some like logic to it, I promise. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive back in. Um, in the last episode, um, our art students were searching around the Anglican church in uh, Nuyi, the neighborhood where they're searching for this creature and they came across a the body of the caretaker Bastien, um, who which had been ripped apart, uh, torn to shreds, and was sitting out by a shed in the back of the churchyard. And they brought him inside of the church. They looked around a bit. They tried. Uh, Rose, in particular, had some precarious. Um, you know, her her mind has been assaulted maybe one too many times, but she was able to overcome it. And Percy ended up calling the gendarme to to report the happenings at the church and was informed that uh, his uh, previous contact with the police um, is leading to him being expected at the morgue by a Dr. Landry. For more information about the arm that you found uh, in the water. So we're going to pick up there. So Percy, I imagine you've just gotten off the phone and you return to the sanctuary with the rest of the group. Yeah, I mean, I think Percy, he's he's chomping at the bit. So I think he's he's turning <laughs> to the, you know, the group, and he just said, "Ah, oh, I've I've caught the scent of death, and I must follow it." And you know, he basically <laughs> points right out the door and <laughs> acts as if he's just ready to go right then. Is is the scent of death in Nui, or is the scent of death elsewhere? How far how far away is the scent of death? Where exactly is this morgue? It's <laughs> a great question. Yeah, does Percy know where the morgue is? <laughs> Probably. So the the okay. morgue is actually uh, the morgue is actually behind Notre Dame. Oh. Oh. Oh, interesting. <laughs> hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little ways away. Do we? Uh, I don't know where where we live, but I was wondering if I could stop and pick up my gun on the way. <laughs> well, okay. So do you? So the, so there is a neighborhood where most of the art students live. Hmm. You, I'm sure that's where Rose lives, and I, and um, that's not where Francis lives because Francis lives right. in her in her aunt's estate. Do Percy and Genevieve think that they have rented out maybe apartments on the nicer end in the uh, in the district where the students live, which is the Latin Quarter? It feels like Percy at least would have, right? Yeah, he wants I think to be Percy, in the mix. Yeah, he has. Yeah, 
And I think that Genevieve would want to be close to Percy. So as nice as she can find in that neighborhood. <laughs> like, like maybe, like maybe if you, like maybe, maybe all of the flats on a particular floor. So you've made like the whole floor <laughs> your 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 apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I've created a pen, a penthouse. Exactly. exactly yes. <laughs> Love it. So uh, I believe that that is is reasonably near the Idle de la Cité, uh, where Notre Dame is. So yes, you could you could certainly swing home. It is definitely getting late. It's probably eight ish o'clock at this point. But since it sounds like Percy is expected at the morgue, it doesn't sound like Doctor Landry is leaving immediately. Um, so you probably have time to swing by your respective, um, homes to pick something up if you'd like to. I admit, like, I think Francis is a little loath to leave me. Okay. If that's where stuff is going down. You can stay. I'm not, you don't have to, yeah. you can split up. There's, there's no reason that you can't. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I should float that to the group. I don't know. I feel like someone should should stay. I don't know if this thing is going to slow down just because it's night. It Maybe it will, but I don't know. It it doesn't... I'm anxious to let it keep on chewing up people. I don't know if I can stop it, but it feels strange to just let it go. But what, what would your plan be? To stay at the church? To see if it returns? To walk the streets in the evening? To see where it's gone? I, I wonder if finding out more about who this original victim is might give us a better sense mm. of its path, of this creature's path, and where it's been moving through. No, those are very good questions. I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I, we should all we should all go. I just, oh, what can I say? I'm rattled. To the morgue. Has has our priest friend? Is he just still out cold? <laughs> yeah, and we're just leaving him behind. Oh. Not that I well, really the, the, mind. the police are on the way. They'll, okay. They'll, 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 <laughs> right. Maybe they'll mm-hmm. bring him to the hospital, the hospital. Um, all right. So, um, so you journey, uh, Genevieve. You want to stop off to get your gun? Is that uh, is that what you want? Yes. Okay. Mm. Does she invite us upstairs, or is she like, uh-huh. you can wait downstairs? <laughs> um, she she says you can come in if you'd like. <laughs> The reluctance. Sure. Like yeah. What is, what Drop does off the, the picnic basket. What does the flat uh, where your living space is, how is it decorated? What's it look like? Mm, to be honest, I don't think that I would have had any say in the decorations, but okay. um, <laughs> I think someone else decorated it. Um, but I think that it is very neat and very ornately decorated, and there are lots of fancy places to sit and entertain people. (laughs) (laughs) So if they wanted to, like, come in and have a drink or something, that would be available. My maid, whose name is Alice, I believe? Yes, Alice, yes. (laughs) Alice would be happy to make us some tea, or... Eric, I have a logistical question. Yes, please. And it's, it's like a very big picture meta question in some ways, because... I think there's a reason why Frances didn't invite Donald and Monty, because I think, like, she didn't want to see them today. I think they've been they've been kind of plotting about something that she's not included on. Uh-huh. And she, I think, nevertheless, is still kind of fighting an urge to want to send them a message that something is up. Okay. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Um, what do you think? Um... I think you could probably, I mean, I think you could, like, if you really want, if you wanted to send a letter, um, it would mm-hmm. get there pretty quickly. Like, they, they live together um, close, you know, close by to the rest of the group. You mm-hmm. could, I mean, you're in the Latin Quarter now. You could slide a note under their door if you wanted to. You, you I mean, you yeah. know where, you know where their apartments are. You could, you could slide a note under their door if you wanted to or, like, leave it in their mailbox. Again, they share an apartment, so you'd only have to go yeah. to one place. Yeah, I think she'll she'll take the second while we're in Genevieve's apartment, and she'll write something. Um, I don't think she'll necessarily go deliver it herself. Um, she'll ask Alice if there's someone that she can send it to 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 deliver it for her, and if she tells him the address. Sure. Um, and Al- actually, when you arrive, Alice says, "Oh, Miss Vanderbilt, I'm I'm so glad you've returned. I I actually uh, are." 
Mr. M Mr. Percy, it's, it's good to see you as well. Are you two by chance a Ms. Rose Fallaby and a Ms. Francis Anderson? Yes. I, well, here, Ms. Vanderbilt, here. Um, and she hands over four, like, they look like, um, almost like thank you notes, right? It's just like a, a, a folded over card blank on the front um, with writing in, like, inside. Uh, sorry, not blank on the front. They, they Each one has your name written on it. It says mm. Genevieve Vanderbilt, Percy huh. Vanderbilt, Rose Fallaby, Francis Anderson. They were left at your apartments. It's not foreboding at all. Oh. I, I read it. <laughs> were they all left at Genevieve's apartment in particular? Yes, they were. Oh, yes. gosh. Mm -mm. A little bit. <laughs> um, and the it, it the ink is, is green. Unusual. I read it. <laughs> sure. Um, you flip yeah. yours open, and again, in like a green, like very flowy cursive handwriting. Uh, it says, I believe we have a mutual a mutual interest that I would like to discuss with you. Please meet me after midnight at the Cabaret Dunyon, hmm. um, which I think all of you would have heard of. Um, in English, that's the Cabaret of Death. It's kind of a Ooh. tourist trappy, but very macabre cafe and cabaret in Montreux. With like mm -hmm. coffins for tables and waiters dressed as pallbearers. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. Does yes. does Percy, given his underworld slash occultism oh, interests, know anything more about this place? Is it on his you've radar? You've definitely <laughs> been there. Um, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely like like real criminals don't go there. It's okay. like very much like a. It's all. <laughs> the it's, it's like a show kind of situation, so, right? Like yeah. So he thinks it's like schlocky, like kind of totally, tacky. Yeah. Totally. Okay. But it's also like they do like a pretty good job of making it pretty unsettling. Mm. So like it's a, it's 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 well done, but it's like it's clearly all a performance. Mm. Like the like the occultists don't go there either, right? Like it's not it's for like people who want like a, a an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Does and everyone else's our... say? Yeah. <laughs> the same thing. Uh yes, they do. They all say the same thing. Do we recognize the handwriting? Um, you do not recognize the handwriting. Huh. And there's no, like, stamp on it or, like, wax seal or anything? Nope. Okay. Is green ink, like, a normal thing in this time period? <laughs> like, to have different nope. colored ink? Yeah. Nope. Okay. <laughs> do mm -hmm. I, can I tell, like, if I recognize what could have created this green ink? I don't think so. Okay. Hmm. I... Who brought these here? Did you see who delivered them? No, I just, I, I found them, uh, slid under the door. Oh. When? Mm, maybe an hour or two ago. Gracious. Well, I, 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 <laughs> to be honest, I don't know that we should turn this down. Yeah. You still have time for the morgue and then you can make your way yeah. to Mamasha. Yeah, true. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Roll Rose after feeling bolstered by the vision of that man absolutely eviscerated in the churchyard she's like <laughs> she's right in, she's somehow in like an okay she's like in a clear headspace she's like you know let's just you know bring it so i think you know she reads hers and then just like very quickly tucks it into the pocket of her apron and says well i think we have we have our next plan after the morgue i'm just gonna check with alice and make sure she didn't see anything else weird like out the window or anything like that uh, yeah, no, she says that she she looked and she didn't see anyone. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think Francis was, like, composing mentally a note to, to Monty and Donald, and I think she's revising it in her mind, and it's going to get a lot shorter. <laughs> 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 uh, but I do think she is going to, like, drop them something to the line of, like, got a strange invitation tonight. There's a strange creature killing things in, in New Year, and... It seems to bode very ill, but I think that's the gist of it. Love, Francis. Love and kisses. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to let you know. <laughs> Go back to playing Parcheesi. For Percy, a night of multiple relatively dark and 
mysterious stops is perfectly normal. So it's just sort of a daily occurrence for him. Must be Sunday. Off to the morgue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the morgue and then a stop, a stop oh by the, the cafe of death. <laughs> or the cabaret of death. Yeah. The amount Incredible. of times he's received an anonymous invitation. You know? <laughs> it's never let him astray. <laughs> no, 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 no. Percy's never received an invitation before. Oh, right. No, no. Forgot. <laughs> he just don't, shows up. I don't like yeah. that I, they knew we were together and that we'd be coming here. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. I think actually, to your point, I think Percy is put off by the idea of getting an invitation to oh, something. Yeah. This is this is weird. Well, this is this is two in this is two invitations now in like three days. Mm. Not normal. One from Francis, and then... I didn't do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Percy's looking at Francis like I thought you were just kind to me, but now I'm like, <gasps> it's oh, a little no. strange. Now he's a little oh, suspicious. No. Oh, no. <laughs> this one's not me, I promise. Um, anything else that the four of you want to do in the Latin Quarter before heading to the morgue? Besides grab your gun, Genevieve. Uh, I think that for the brief time that they are in Genevieve's like penthouse, like Rose is actually like very thoroughly enjoying herself. Like she's trying to hold herself back, but she's never seen so many like fine and lovely things. So <laughs> she's probably doing like a little bit like resisting like touching a lot of stuff and like picking mm-hmm. it up because she has like a strong feeling that Genevieve would like not be okay with that. But she like keeps a very cold look on her face, but she's like, ooh, like look at all this stuff. I thought um, you were gonna say that you like spit on everything. <laughs> no, no, you know, it's just it's interesting to see how the other half lives. She's tempted to steal something but she doesn't um uh, yeah i know listen it's all in her head she wouldn't do that she's not a kind of person you know she's like you know how many forks does one woman need you know like <laughs> was she ever party here um yeah and i think i would say honestly similarly after everything started like there's a thought that crosses her mind of manu especially because she's been like blowing her friend off and like not really communicating with her and part of her almost wants to like thinks of her in this moment and then she just sort of like you know like if she knows her friend like Manu is out tonight she is having fun she is spending time with people and she just decides like this is not something she wants to draw her into so that's just a fleeting Mm -hmm. thought but no I don't think Rose has any need to return to her apartment at all she just stays with a group cool yeah all right so so the four of you leave and you head across the Seine again to the Ile de la Cité to go to the morgue, which is behind Notre Dame. As you kind of make your way to the entrance, you pass by 12 black marble slabs that are sitting near the entrance. And Genevieve, given your personality, I imagine you would tell the group about this, but before about... 15 years ago, um, before improved freezer technology was invented, bodies, when they were initially recovered, would be placed out here on these black marble slabs for identification um, as long as possible. And they'd be sprinkled with water to help preserve them, and the marble kind of helped keep them cold enough. Um, But they would sit out there for a few days. But But now they actually do have ways of keeping... Um, in, you know, indoor areas cold enough to store the bodies for much longer, and so they're kept inside now. But this, they used to just sit them out on these black slabs, just oh. outside, uh-huh. just like so people could walk by and be like, "I know that guy. I don't. Know I that know guy. who that is. Yes, exactly. Oh, ew, hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> ew. Oh my god. Apparently, so I was I was just dark. reading about this. Apparently, it's they terrible. just they had a leather strap over like their genitals. And then their clothing would be like hung up above <gasps> them, but otherwise they'd be like totally naked. Wowie zowie! <laughs> There's something even more disturbing about like their clothes just being hung above them, mm-hmm. like a weird like ghost, spectral ghost of like yeah. themselves. Like, ugh, God. that's strange. Yikes! Yeah, well, when I, Genevieve, I, when, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I wonder why they, why did they need to be naked? Like, why not just leave the clothes on them? <laughs> yeah. I think the clothes might be in bad shape. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So that doesn't make that much difference. And it's like, you never know. Scars. True. Holes in the shape of a banana. (laughs) Does does Genevieve, like, relish in telling the group this? Or is it like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
This is a very interesting fact. <laughs> There's nothing weird I mean, about it at all. <laughs> they are empty right now, right? They are empty, yes. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> but at suddenly, least there's no. something. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, are you heading inside? Yeah. 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 So when you walk in, there's an older woman sitting at the desk. Um, seems like she's not that happy to be here uh, as late as she is here. <laughs> and as soon as you walk in, she begins speaking immediately. Welcome to the Parisian morgue. All persons are formally invited to furnish any indications they might possess that may lead to the recognition of any deceased persons held within and will be put to no expense as a result. What business do you have here today? I think, I mean, I think Percy walks up to do the talking. Sure. Yeah. But I think with her, not this is not the doctor, right? This is just yeah, like no, the person is, at the front yeah. desk. <laughs> and like clearly the thing that she has to like read out whenever anybody <laughs> comes. <laughs> I think he, he like tries to cheer her up a little bit and he's like, a beautiful performance, madam. Just wonderful. <laughs> just delightful. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, he, you know, we're here to inquire um, after a certain doctor and... You know, I was actually summoned here by the gendarme. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you here to see? Uh, what was the doctor's name? <laughs> Landry. 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 Um, I'm here to see one, uh, a Dr. Landry, an esteemed fellow, if if, if anyone knows him. <laughs> Not that you do. <laughs> Not me. No. <laughs> yes, yes. Esteemed indeed. Dr. Landry. <laughs> Dr. Landry. <laughs> There's someone here for you. Um, and a, a man comes out and he seems in very good spirits. <laughs> oh, perfect. This is um, right up goes, Percy's alley. <laughs> he goes, oh, uh, are you uh, by chance Mr. Vanderbilt? Indeed I am, Dr. Landry. Now tell me, tell me, my friend, um, what moves you about the, the cold of a dead body? Does it haunt you? <laughs> does, it, does it appear in your dreams? Does it turn them into nightmares? Does it inspire you like it inspires me? <laughs> I think he's kind of, you know, elbowing the, kind of giving him like a little, this is giving him the sense that this is like 50% a joke, but only 50%. <laughs> he goes, um, my, my, sir, you, you have the way of a poet. Do you, do you dabble in the arts? <laughs> dabble. <laughs> Indeed I do. I, I am a bit of a writer myself, a bit of a poet, some would say. You may have heard of me. Um, but I know someone summoned me down here, not not quite a man of the arts, you know, someone, um, perhaps a man of more administrative things, and I wanted to see why you asked after me. I was just told that you had an interest in, in hearing more information about, well, this body that I've been working on, but I didn't know that I was, I was summoning a poet to my side as well. I'm a bit of an amateur versifier <gasps> myself. <laughs> No, are you, oh, sir? No. Do you have any of your verse on you right now? Oh no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm quite the amateur, but I would love to, to pick your brain about how you incorporate such macabre things, <laughs> such as, such as death, into your work. Uh, come, come this way. Are, are, are these your friends? Are they with you? Yes, yes, they are. Excellent, excellent. Right this way. Um, and so as you're kind of like walking out of the main room down the hall. You enter into another room that has a lot of kind of like those metal like drawers um, that you can picture even in a modern day uh, morgue. It's actually kind of set up in a similar fashion, though less sleek than perhaps on CSI. <laughs> and but he's kind of talking to you, Percy, as you go, and he says, "May I may I inquire as to your interest in this particular body? Uh, a friend of yours? Macabre fascination, perhaps, or are you an amateur sleuth?" <laughs> Uh, it's somewhere in between, I would say. I, I always have a fascination for the dead, but in fact, my companions and I stumbled upon this lonely arm uh, with no body attached to it uh, earlier today and figured we simply had to get to the bottom of it. Oh, well, uh, you're certainly in luck. I, uh, you're the one who found the arm, you say. Well, uh, I believe that I have a body for you. Oh. You found the bottom of it. Yes, the rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. Can you show it to us? <laughs> oh, you'd like to uh you'd like to see the body. Well, yes, I'd like to see it and like to know anything you know about it. Sure, and he he starts to kind of uh to tell you a little bit about it as he's like kind of looking through his notes to remember exactly which drawer it's in. Um but he tells you that a passerby 
spotted the body lodged between boats moored near the Onier Bridge. And I think, Genevieve, you're the one that knows um, most about kind of the geography of Paris. But um, the Onier Bridge is north of the of La Grande Jatte, and the Seine flows kind of to the north and west. And so bodies sometimes get trapped by this bridge where all these um, boats are. Hmm. Because that's the so, but the 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 body would have continued flowing after it lost the arm in some way, right? So the the river gotcha. flows in the direction it was the body was found. So arm came off, body kept on going until it yes. eventually exactly got exactly Great. yes. And he says they also found identity papers floating out in the water next to it. They were thoroughly sodden, but uh, luckily I could still make out the name. Which, of, of course, I can't reveal to you. I, I do have some respect for protocol and procedure, you know. And he kind of gives you a wink, Percy. Like, if you push me, like, maybe I'll give you the name. Mm. And he, but then he opens the, he opens the drawer. And there's a dead body in there. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, like, don't, you know that you're at the morgue. You've just seen this mutilated body. But a drawer has just been opened with another dead corpse. And this person seems to be in his late 20s. I mean, like, he looks like he could have been an art student along with the rest of you. And so I think everyone besides Genevieve, who has probably seen many cadavers in her life because uh, she used to be a med student, everyone besides Genevieve, I need you to roll me a composure check. But before we do that, we we were talking, we were talking pre or between episodes. Hmm... And uh, Lindsay, I believe that you have an argument um, that you should be able to discard one of your shot cards. Is that correct? That is correct. Do you want me to give you that argument? <laughs> yes, I do. Please okay. do. Okay. So uh, the shot card that I am carrying over continuity from um, last February is a morbid scene. Um, and so there is an option here that I can discard by pursuing a lead. The team first learned about more than two hours ago table time. And so... The arm was the first thing we learned about three episodes ago, I think, at this yep. point. So I believe, and enough time has passed, I think, in-game and also mm. on-table that we are rounding out, finding out what happened to the owner of the arm. So that would be Yes, and sorry, it says table time, right? Yeah, table mm-hmm. time, yep. Yeah, so in, so in the mm-hmm. game, it distinguishes between game time. Some things will say game time. Some things will say table time. Table time means our world time. Game time means time in the game or in the story. Um, and so two hours have certainly passed, and so you can discard that shot card as well. Ooh. So you are currently sitting with a one shot card, one. correct? Yeah. Nice. Yes, I'm sitting with one one shot card, which is unease. Woo. All right, and you're you're about to discard it too because you are about to make oh, a. Oh, that's true. You are about to make a focus test. Oh, uh, we'll be sorry, at net a, one. A, a presence comes test. A presence test, yep. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, all right, so everyone but Genevieve is going to roll this. Let's start with Francis. Would you like to spend any points? Uh, this is, I... the, this is. I will give you the, the, the title of this shock, which is, <gasps> after a violent demise, you come upon the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I think Francis looks at it feeling cocky. She's like, I've seen bodies. This day has been terrible. Why not? And maybe foolish, maybe not, because I was genuinely considering actually having her say that she was going to, like, not look. Okay. And then I was like, damn it, whatever. So I think I have to approach it with that same, <laughs> that same feel. All right. So no spend. Oh, I got a six. Okay. Okay. A six. Percy. I think I'll spend one. And I think the, the logic is that Percy... Like, he's been chatting with this guy about death and how it's an inspiration for him. And I think he wants to look, you know, he's not surprised, but he's seen this before. You know, he's... He, ready, he readies himself to, to, mm. to not react to the body. Yes. Okay. And I rolled a five. Okay. Uh, so that just leaves Rose. So just a quick question about my unease card. It says next presence or focus takes a negative one and then discard, right? Correct. So that will be this that will be this one. So you'll take a negative one on this, but then you will discard unease. Okay, got it. Um I think I'm gonna spend one. Okay. Um because I think that 
Rose already saw a body today that was just like absolutely gutted and somehow it like <laughs> revived her a little bit. She uh-huh. felt like, you know what? Like I can handle this. Bring so I think bodies. Yeah, she's kind of expecting <laughs> when she looks like to be just another mutilated body and it'll just be like another body count in reality. So um okay. So I'm gonna so it'll cancel out my ne- negative one. So it'll just be the Correct. number that it is. Yes. Okay. Okay. It's a four. All right. So you all are okay. You all are able to um, kind of compose yourselves enough to not be affected by seeing this dead body. And so he opens up the drawer, and it is a, it's a younger man. Um, you see that there are kind of in, in various places on his body deep scratches. And these scratches look the same to you, Genevieve, as the ones that you saw on the body of the caretaker. But... It doesn't look like this body is as severely torn apart as the caretaker. And the only bite that you see is where the arm was severed off. There are no like other bites on the body. It looks like the body was scratched around the chest and that the arm was bitten off mm-hmm. with this same kind of piranha-like mouth. Um, and so at this point, uh, Dr. Landry is kind of chattering on as he opens it up. He's not really reacting to any of you being surprised by the body or anything. You said you wanted to see it. He says, well, um, the what, whoever the attacker was tore this, this poor man's clothing in multiple places. And as you can see, these secondary wounds show curiously deep scratches. I, I truly can't fathom what type of weapon was used to, to cause wounds like this. Sir, this was this was not a weapon. This was a creature with teeth and claws. That's obvious. Young lady, <laughs> I believe that I have more experience in this area than you do. Could you explain to me what type of weapon you think would have done this then, sir? I believe that I just said that I can't fathom what type of weapon could have used could have caused wounds like this. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will I will agree that it is a bit of an unusual case. I I found a most curious substance on the victim's skin. I was surprised it hadn't been washed away by the water, but it contains a variety of, I don't know, sugar compounds, glucose, fructose, sucrose, melisitose, and Genevieve, this is all clicking in your head. Those are, that is the chemical compound of honeydew, the substance that aphids secrete, so that the smell um, is really like that, that is what it is. Um, it didn't just smell like it. And then he also says, I also found traces of alcohol and chloroform on the body. And again, Genevieve, those are both, obviously you know what both of those things are, but in, it's clicking in your mind. Those are both sedative substances. Hmm. Interesting. That's alarming. I think, um, I think Percy puts his arm around the guy <laughs> jovially and says, you know, <laughs> how strange for a life to end here. But also death could be a beginning of sorts. A beginning of a mutually beneficial relationship, perhaps. And (laughs) I think he pulls out like a... What he thinks is like a discreet, sensitive amount of cash. And what is actually like a very like... It's a lot of money. Sizable. And just (laughs) slips it to the guy. And what what are you you hoping for? Um, I think he's... You know, he asks again for any information about the body. Sure. Who it is, etc. Um, yeah. So he uh, he actually he sees the money and he doesn't even really look at it and he he pushes it away and kind of like pushes your hand down and then like kind of grabs your neck like not in, in in like a jovial way like not a mm. not an angry way and is like for a fellow poet <laughs> money does not need to be exchanged perhaps perhaps a you could fan. read uh, some of my verses at some point but. That can we can, that can be taken care of down the line. I will tell you the man's name. His his name is Fernau Roubault. He was a, a resident of the Latin Quarter, uh, or at least according to his documents, he was. That is all I know about him. That is that is spelled like Fernand, but it's Fernau uh, Roubault. R O U B A U D. Do any of us recognize that name? I don't believe so. No. That's that's uh, honestly good. <laughs> <laughs> He's another art student who <laughs> who disappeared recently and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was friends with Calvin Leith. 
This university is not doing a good job at (laughs) keeping an eye on its students. They're just like, well, (laughs) that one's gone. (laughs) Um, Ecole de Beaux-Arts. Bozar. 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 But why is it Bose? It's B-E-A-U-X. So it would be Bo, and because it's right before an A, yeah, it's got that illusion to give the Z. Ecole des Beaux-Arts. I, my mouth doesn't make those sounds well. <laughs> Mine doesn't really either. <laughs> like I took Spanish I, in high school and like those sounds I can do okay with. French, yeah. just, my mouth doesn't move that way. <laughs> it's okay. You have other gifts. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank you for booing me. I'm like, I appreciate it. <laughs> that was such a gentle response. You have other gifts. <laughs> other gifts. <laughs> that is very honey, kind. Honey, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so this is a Fernand R- Rabot, and he's from Rubeau, the Latin yeah. Rubot, and he's from the Latin quarter is that what he said or yeah, they his, don't his, know anything else about him that's like what his anything. paper said yeah yeah his address is from is in the latin quarter which is the yeah. neighborhood yeah. that all of you students mm-hmm. live in okay yeah. got it and is so i think rose will ask she's going to interject gently here but she doesn't have necessarily like the the flair for chatting <laughs> as percy does so she's gonna be straightforward um so is your assumption that he received his injury where the arm was found or are you thinking that this happened like elsewhere upstream dr landry kind of like gives a glance at percy and says uh not a fellow poet of uh, not not a fellow poet eh? <laughs> i'm not sure mademoiselle uh, it it does seem as though the the arm was severed around the same time of death um, of the body, uh, but whether it happened out of the river and then flowed down the river afterwards, it's it's hard to say. The the both the arm and the body are you know are covered in in water from the Seine, but I don't know whether that happened post or pre or post mortem. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just kind of blazes right on through <laughs> and says, "The substance that you're talking about is that just on the bite mark, or was that all over the body?" A surprisingly prescient question. Um, the <laughs> rude. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Rose kind of like steals herself right there. It's like a little bit of like hold me back. <laughs> yes, the 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 sugar compounds were were all over the body. They co- covering the body and and the clothing, but the the alcohol and the chloroform those were localized around where the arm was severed. What the hell? Hmm. Not on his face? I thought chloroform was one of those, you, you pour it on the thing, you hold it dramatically over the the mouth and the nose, and then they swoon beautifully. Well, that is that is what happens most often, yes. But not in this case. What on earth? So a paralyzing agent on the arm? Where the arm got bit. Like, I'm wondering if there is a medical reason that, like, someone might use, like, a sedative, like, I'm thinking maybe to numb a bite yeah. like that or something. Mm-hmm. Let the thing get like, at it. Like, maybe after they had been injured, but I, I don't know if that's correct. So so I think what would be going through your head, actually, Genevieve, is because I think you're looking at the the, the, the medical examiner, Dr. Landry, is very clearly looking at this as if it was something done by a human, right? And so so I think that's where his mind went and that didn't make any sense, right? But I think you're looking at this like it's some sort of animal or creature. And that actually makes more sense to you that perhaps this creature tries to either knock out or make delirious sure. its prey before it attacks it. Mm. Mm. The better to, to get at it mm-hmm. rather than have it run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If it's, yeah, if it's some sort of like predatory uh, like maneuver. But mm. it seems like it has those chemicals like in its mouth somehow not like it seems it maybe. seems that way yes, right yeah. okay so that it's like some sort of like defense mechanism perhaps yeah or, or a predatory or, mechanism right, where right, it's right, like right. it like it like bites the thing and that causes it yeah. to lose consciousness and then it can 
Right. But we're not thinking that, like, this creature is going around, like, holding chloroform up to people's mouths and then... No. (laughs) No, it does not seem like that. Pardon me. Could you smell this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I feel feel like I can understand, like, as Emily, the the part about how it would be able to do that, like, with a bite to subdue. The honeydew stuff, that's what I cannot wrap my head around at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, can yeah. I it's everywhere. think of a reason why the aphids would be related to this? Mm-mm. Okay. How strange. Very strange. Because is the honeydew stuff something that the aphids usually secrete after they eat? Or it's just something that they naturally make? Is it Let's like a preservative? <laughs> aphids produce large amounts of a sugary liquid waste called honeydew. The honeydew that drops from these insects can spot the... Uh, Nope. Yeah, can spot the windows and finish of cars parked under infested trees. Um, that's not helpful. <laughs> but vivid. Mm-hmm. It is vivid. <laughs> um, here we go. Apparently, it could be deadly to humans. Mm. Ooh. Yeesh. Ants collect it. Um, I mean, there's only so much we would know about aphids. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. That's all I got. Okay. Maybe it slobbers honeydew for all we know. Right. But you did all say messy. You did say that Genevieve knew some, there were they were doing like something medical with aphids or no? She just knows that from natural history. Uh, yeah, I was I was saying that you, that perhaps somebody was trying to use something with aphids as a as some sort of medical treatment, but I don't think it would have been successful. I think that like that's just okay. the only reason you've smelled it before is Got like it. it was in a lab somewhere. All right. So I think Genevieve would suggest if nobody has any further questions we move on yeah i i think percy is first he's gonna take a page out of his notebook he's been working on all day just whatever poetry not his major work but just something Mm. he's been doing idly and he's gonna like scribble his address and, and you know his contact information on this and hand it to the guy and just be like from one poet to another you know feel free to get in touch if you learn anything new lovely just lovely (laughs) <laughs> well, and I think Francis will also kind of realize this man is about to have another delivery yeah. as soon as mm-hmm. the police take in Bastion. Um, and so I think she's going to nod towards Genevieve and she's going to say, I, I do think, sir, that you're going to see fairly shortly that uh, she's probably on the right track about what did this. Well, we'll we'll see about that. Undoubtedly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so at this point, after the walk from the from Nuyi to the Latin Quarter, the stop at um, the stop at Genevieve's apartments, mm-hmm. then the walk to the Ile de la Cité, and then the meeting with Doctor Landry. By the time you get to Montmartre, it will be close to midnight. So Gosh. if you want to respond to the invitation, I think you probably have to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you know, in the middle of the night or the following day, you can follow up on the Fernand Rubo <laughs> lead. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you head to Montmartre and you probably follow follow Percy's lead to the cabaret <laughs> du Nion. And as you walk up, the you see that the entrance is heavily draped with the waxy black cloth used to wrap corpses. And there's a man dressed as a pallbearer with a black cape drawn around him standing, barring your passage. And there's a dim green light shining down that kind of reflects off the top of his top hat. Bienvenue, Bacabees, he says, drawing apart the curtain, the heavy curtain and admitting you to a nearly pitch black room. And uh, Percy, I think you, you probably heard this before. Perhaps you um, went and looked it up after... <laughs> After you heard it the first time, why he's calling you a Maccabee? Bodies floating in the Seine are so common that Parisian slang has a weird nickname for them, uh, Maccabees. And it's a biblical reference to a group of martyrs uh, suggesting that the unfortunate people who wind up in the river have been martyred by the unfortunate fluctuations of Parisian life. Hmm. So Paris has basically chewed them up and spit them out, and that's why they're called Maccabees. Oh, that's cold. Cheers to that. <laughs> They're like, bodies in the river. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> I'm wondering if that's why our secret friend uh, chose this location. 
Mm. Insight. I just I love that we're going to a theme restaurant because yeah, this place is in Times Square. The <laughs> the, there are buses cafe. outside of tourists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. There's totally. just a lot more booze. <laughs> and so you walk in, and the cafe is dimly lit with wax tapers and a large chandelier intricately devised of human skulls and arms, with funeral candles held in their fingers, hangs in the center of the room. Providing a slightly greenish glow to the whole place. It's as if there was a little tint on the light to make the whole place kind of grow, glow green. And instead of tables, the cafe has large, heavy wooden coffins scattered about the room. And the walls <laughs> are decorated with skulls and bones, skeletons in grotesque poses, scenes of battle, and guillotines in action. Francis is almost mad because she loves it so much. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't want to, and she's had a very bad day, but there's a part of her that's like, yes, 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 I love it. And Genevieve says, what a horrible place. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is not Genevieve's scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually, that's a place that um, Rose and Genevieve are on the same page. She's like, it's she's trying so hard not to like roll her eyes that they like roll out of her head. It's just so gauche, but... Um, <laughs> but, uh, is there, I mean, when we walk in, is there like, does it look like there's any like private rooms or is there like a bartender or anything like uh, that? It looks like there are servers that will come to your coffin table. Um, and they're all dressed as pallbearers, just <laughs> yes, like the guy out front, out front. Heck yeah. So if you sit down, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll come take your order. Okay. We don't notice anyone dressed in green and staring at us from the corner. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't. It seems like it's mostly like tourists, maybe some other like young art students like yourselves, um, you know, just people that are like, I don't know, kind of like ogling at the walls and the decorations and everything, like people that seem fascinated to be here. Mm. And everyone's in groups. No one's, no one's here by themselves. Hmm. That'd be tacky. For well, sure. shall we get a table and a round and wait for our mysterious friend to join us? Let's do. Is there like, you know, someone who seems to be vaguely in charge, like a manager of sorts that Percy could talk to both because he's been here before, but also just because, you know, that's sort of his thing and just like insinuate that they're meeting someone. Sure. Yeah. There's a there's a a guy standing kind of in the corner. You see some of the servers go up to him every once in a while and ask him a question. So he seems like perhaps the floor manager. Okay. Yes. I guess Percy will go over to him and just look kind of unimpressed by the whole thing, you know, as if it's not just tacky, but like he's used to it at this point. And just say like, hello, my friend. I see you you too have a taste for the macabre. And in fact, I, I see many of your patrons do as well. Now, do you have anyone here who's expecting a meeting? Good evening, monsieur. Um, a meeting? Uh, no. <laughs> I was expecting him okay. to say yes. Um, <laughs> you could show him the invitation. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I if think, you wanted to. I think Percy will show him and say, you know, someone requested we meet here. You know, someone clearly of means and power and relevance. And I was wondering if you've seen anyone of the sort. I am sure your date will be here soon. <laughs> Do not worry. <laughs> well, why don't you show us to a table then, sir? Gladly. And he uh, he walks you he walks you over to like the worst table in the place like off Love into it. a corner somewhere. <laughs> Love it, fantastic. He's gonna die. <laughs> um, so do you order drinks? I think so. I think Percy definitely does. I think Francis will get a glass of wine or something. But I think she's also gonna take out her sketchbook and like the light is terrible. But I think she's thinking ahead to trying to figure out more about Fernand and is going to start trying to sketch his face as they wait. Okay. Um, so that they have an image of him. It's a little tricky when she's going off a dead face. Sure, but, but she's I, think do she, her best. I think she can pull it off. She's pretty. Yeah. She's pretty talented. She's got her job. Yeah, I think Francis will also. Sorry, Genevieve will also <laughs> order wine, and you know the most expensive one they have, and um, and start to explain everything she knows about aphids and chloroform and just re re explain all of her theories, which I think she's probably already done, but... Sure. Mm-hmm. Rose will get a glass of whatever the house red is, you know? Okay. What's the, it's gotta what's be red the, at the Cafe of Death. <laughs> what's the, <laughs> yeah, what's the wine bag equ- equivalent in 1899? <laughs> <laughs> 
table wine. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> the Rossi of, I, yeah. Which which of course they 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 describe as something like um devil's blood or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I think when um when she does that, Percy and Genevieve are I feel like they're both kind of like no. No, don't. Yeah, that's don't exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to say, get, get whatever should have what I'm having. <laughs> Rose is like, ooh, I can yeah, get used to you know what? You know, go ahead. You you patronize me. Okay, you're picking up the bill. That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Told you I'd take you out for a good time, Rose. Yeah, I was going to say, listen, you know, if they get that first round, yeah, she's she's good. All right, so you know you're you're kind of chatting. You're probably looking around a little bit, um, but I think all of you kind of get sucked in for a second about something that Genevieve is talking about. So like maybe Francis is looking down, sketching and listening, and Rose and Percy are like looking at Genevieve, and then the conversation takes a lull as it does, especially with people who don't actually know each other that well, and you all suddenly realize that a pale, thin, eerily alluring brunette woman in a green fashionable gown has seated herself at the coffin table with you. And she's she's holding up uh, a glass of green liquid, which you all would know is mm. absinthe. And in fact, as you look down, you see that the wine glasses that you had are no longer there, and they've all been replaced with your own glasses of the green liquor. And that is where our story what? is going to end Ooh. for now. Is she evil Jesus? Ah! Did she turn our wine into absinthe? <laughs> absinthe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.